Welcome to Different From The Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents with challenging children with host Angela Sunis, a parent whose teen was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Each episode, Angela will have a discussion with an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the other kids, season one, a production of Marketing Maven. Hi, everyone. Uh, help me in welcoming back Leanna Palmerio MacGyver. Uh, if you can remember from our last episode, she is the director of the Wellness Counseling Group and is a psychotherapist. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, if you had to prevent parents from making one big, single, common mistake, what would it be? Well, in line with the theme, I would say to them, first of all, to listen to their gut. Don't always take the word of one professional who may have mis misunderstood your child. You're the parent, you've raised this child, and you know this child. And if you know that there's something wrong, get multiple opinions, because teens are hard to put into just one box after just one meeting. Oh, don't worry, it's just anxiety is not something you have to settle for if you know intuitively it's more than that. Get more advice, another opinion. When the opinions start sounding repetitive, this is where you may have to land and start working on managing the condition that you're dealt with and that your teen may have been actually diagnosed with. If your gut is telling you that your child's diagnosis isn't accurate or you want more feedback and understanding, go and get more information. You can ask for it. Go back to the hospital and ask for another psychologist or psychiatrist's opinion. You can pay for assessments and use local resources, or you can go to specialty clinics in the U.S. if you can't get access here. So what I'm hearing is we all pretty much have to advocate, don't we? Yes, absolutely. You've got to do what works for your team and for your family, and you have to listen to your gut. If the diagnosis is something you're not comfortable with, like I mentioned, ask, ask, and push, ask, and push, ask, and push. If you don't push, you won't always get the services you need. What is the most common misperception, you think, that parents have of their mentally ill child? Well, parents often feel they can't trust their teen's behavior all the time. Yeah, unfortunately, that does happen. It does because you lose trust from the repeated times they may have lied to you or behaved out of character. I can see how that happens, but I can also see that you really need to reconnect and figure it out to go forward. Absolutely. I think when you finally get to a state of diagnosis and understanding of your teen's condition, a lot of trust has been broken in these circumstances. This is the time you really have to rebuild and reboot. How can you work as a team if you don't trust your teen once they're properly diagnosed and receiving help? Do you find that parents have a really hard time trusting them? Well, mistrust can cause crisis in the home. It can be hard to heal and to begin trusting again, especially if your teens lie to you a lot of the time. If your teen, for example, steals from you or someone else while in a manic state or runs off to a party with alcohol from the family home and gets drunk and promiscuous, your trust will be stretched, if not broken. It will be challenging to recover from that loss of trust, but it can be done. You can work with a therapist to rebuild it and come back to a place of forgiveness and understanding where you can distinguish between the mental illness and your child because the two are not the same. Right. It was their illness. Absolutely. In most cases, it's the illness. But sometimes it can just be a normal teenager behavior. What would you like for parents to know when dealing with a mentally ill teen or child? Well... When this discovery happens, the focus becomes a lot about the child that is suffering with mental illness, and sometimes we forget about ourselves as people. 
We have to take care of ourselves as parents while we're taking care of our child. And we also have to take care of our other children. Oh dear, yes. That's the hardest part as a parent. Now you're dealing with guilt and worry and the question of how can I be everything to every child? You can get overwhelmed and stressed. So it's important to go for some of your own sessions with another therapist. Yeah, I have jokingly say that I think if you're a good parent of a kid that has emotional or mental challenges that you should have your own therapist and you'll probably be medicated too. Just fasten your seatbelt and know that that's just part of the drill for a lot of us. When your child is not well in whatever way, whether they're being bullied at school or whether they have a panic disorder, depression, or a mood disorder. As a parent, you personalize all of that, and how could you not? It becomes overwhelming. You worry night and day about your child, so you have to take care of yourself for sure. I would assume quite a few people come through your door with various mental illnesses. Is Christina unusual in that she actually follows her therapist's advice, your advice, such as embracing the fitness, nutrition, and overall self-care portion? How unusual is that for a client to actually do what you're recommending? Well, uh, in your daughter's case, she a, was a star when it came to management of her disorder, in, in my opinion. Not every teenager will do the homework or the brain work that's required in order to get to an improved state. And why do you think that is? I think teenagers get distracted by things. Immediate gratification is often the top priority for teens. I think managing self-care is not as interesting as other things that may pop up. I think teens with mental illness may not realize that they're in a manic state, for example, if that's the state that they're in. And in that state, they may often seem to think that they're just having a really good time. Or when your teen is experiencing a low swing or depression, they often become confused and lethargic and unaware of how their behavior affects them negatively, let alone others. The lows from depression can be debilitating. It's getting them to buy into the importance of balance overall. The one thing I do love about working with teenagers is that often you can get them to change their behaviors and participate more in their therapy than you can with adults with a late diagnosis of mental illness. They appear more resilient and the connection with their therapist is pivotal. And how important is routine? A routine is tremendously important. Teens need to understand all the things they need to do and process that information into small chunks so they don't feel easily overwhelmed. It also allows everyone in the family to have something to rely on when the diagnosed teen is in a state. If your teen knows that even though I'm in a crappy state, I have to get up, I have to make this healthy lunch, and I have to go to work out or go to school, because those are the things that ground me and lift me to a better state, they will do it. I'm sure they may not always want to do it, and I'm equal sure they will learn that if they stick to their routine, they will survive this difficult day mentally in the most healthy way possible. Routine helps your teen to get through difficult days. And how important would you say is family support? Family meetings and therapy, having regular support, understanding each other, having a place for you as a parent to vent, having a place for your teen to vent, having a place for your whole family to mend, that's extremely important. Having family meetings is important so that everyone can help each other out and express how they feel about things. Doing this in a positive, calm environment is also important. Getting the whole family on board is pivotal because it wouldn't be good for your teen to feel like an outsider in the family. So exercise, nutrition, psychotherapy, family meetings, and routine, all very, very important. Okay, is there anything else that you can think of that can contribute to success with a mentally ill teen or child? 
Well, being actively involved as a parent allows this process to be successful for them and for you. And at the core, it's really your child's personality, their individual resilience and dedication to their wellness that are the main reasons why they may cope as well as they do. Without involved parenting, um, it's hard for your team to find the drive to keep on going. So your continued coaching and pushing is invaluable. Yeah, I, I believe that to be the absolute truth. There are some people that have high pain tolerances and some people that don't, and some people that are sensitive and some people that are less so. Pain tolerance, not just in the physical sense, but in the mental pain perspective. If you keep coaching your team, believing in them, that they can be successful, that's the, t that's the ticket right there. Successful attitude can be, this sucks, but I have to deal with it, and here is how I'm going to do it. That's progress. Logic and positive problem solving. Would you say that there's such a thing as too much encouragement? Or how, is, how much is too much love and communication? Well, there's really no such thing as too much love and encouragement when it comes to somebody who struggles more than anybody else. So long as you're not crossing the boundary of enabling, which is letting them get out of things because they're not feeling well all the time, or doing for your child because you feel sorry for them when they may be capable of helping themselves. That is when it becomes a problem. Your job is to coach them so you're on the same team, but you, the parents, are the coach. I've mentioned this before. You're working together, you're problem solving together, and when they're getting tired out there in life, your job is to coach them and tell them to get up and keep going. That is sometimes all you can do. You don't let your team quit because they can't. When they can't get up, you as a parent help them get up. You will instinctively know when they have had too much. Again, we come back to listening to your gut. I have a friend who has an Asperger's child and the parents used to be in school all the time, go to classes with their child. Sometimes the child would have outbursts in class. They finally got him some ECE support workers in the school who are with him through the day and it's been such a great support to both her son and to her. Now she can pop into the school and say hi. She can now supervise and coach her son with the support she needed. Great parents of children with extra challenges or mental illnesses are often coaching and teaching, not always saving and enabling. It feels better, especially when all the supports are in place. So let me ask you one question. Um, this is uh, pretty common. I have people ask me different questions about my daughter. So what would you say to people that don't believe in mental illness, that they lead you to believe or they start to look at you and say, your child is just overindulged and spoiled? Okay, so basically what you're asking me is, why other people have said to you, it's not bipolar, maybe it's something else? Yeah, it's just, it's constant. Uh, they say it's all in your head, I think it's a misdiagnosis, she's been overindulged and she's spoiled and you're participating in it. You know, a lot of people attach so much stigma to mental illness. Some people make those kinds of judgmental statements because they feel somehow personally affected by what you're doing for your child. And they may also be afraid of the label that your child has been given. You'd have to ask yourself, why are they so affected by this diagnosis? I think you need to say to people who say these things to you, you know, there are people out there that are capable and qualified to make this diagnosis for my child. And we've had more than one person weigh in on this diagnosis. The clear fact is, if medication changes my child's state into a more grounded, positive, or better place, 
then there was definitely something off for my child that medication could address. Therefore, a diagnosis is valid. Thank you. That's an excellent way to explain it. There's no way that a child can normally go from a perky, sweet, goal-oriented person to a sobbing, depressed, self-sabotaging personality who won't get out of bed for 12 hours. These types of changes in your child's mood are often associated with what's going on in their brain chemistry. Is there anything I haven't covered that you think would be helpful for parents out there? Just what I mentioned earlier, that the resources for mental health remain a challenge, so you need to recognize that the squeaky wheel often gets the grease. Yeah, I still can't even believe to the extent that I've or I've had uh, so little education without going to see a great psychotherapist uh, and great child psychiatrist, I would have no clue to this day. The fact that the support system that I had was in place was one of the greatest things that could have happened to me. There are no lessons, there are no schools, no intensive therapy sessions for parents. The parents in every case need to do some of the research and talk to people like yourself who have the experience in dealing with mental illness. Absolutely. It's also important for people with mental illness to have goals and not see themselves as ill. Parents play a vital role in that, but also the child plays a vital role. They need to be actively engaged with their therapist to see this as a condition that they can learn to manage and cope with and know that they do not have to be dragged down by it. Okay, so maybe I can ask you this, if you don't mind. Christina was quite stable for probably 20 months or so. There was some fluctuation, of course, but pretty good stability. Then all of a sudden, there was a crash. What would you think happened? Oftentimes, that's a great question to ask the psychiatrist who's taking care of your child and managing their medication. And while I can't comment on specifics, I can say that sometimes brain chemistry can change, which can affect how someone responds to a particular medication or a combination of medications. Parents need to be prepared for this and to come back to the core principles of understanding and support for your child, and of course, to stay engaged with your healthcare team, which can include, as I mentioned, your family doctor or a psychiatrist. Make sure you have a complete circle of care for your child. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Leanna. You've helped so many parents today. I really appreciate it. And for all the parents out there, I'll see you next time. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for listening, and please review our podcast on iTunes. This helps us spread our message and reach all those who need support. We've got a book on Amazon of all of these interviews. Please don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for all your support. We'll see you next week. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I am not even that well educated. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different From The Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate health care provider. Thanks for listening to Different From The Other Kids, made possible with the support of Regal Junction. Your connection to quality and stylish premium pet products. You can find them online at www.regaljunction.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Different from the other kids. Season 1. A production of Marketing Maven.